0: Hello friends, this is Craig. Most of the time I'm on the other side of the microphone making sure all the technical details are set for Kevin and Stephanie, but today I'm recording this greeting because Kevin and Stephanie are under the weather, and as many of you parents know, trying to take care of a kid, or in their case three, while
1: you're sick isn't an easy job. So the Masons are taking the week off, and I'm presenting
0: you with this Encore performance from episode 15, March of 2020 with Dr. John Stoffer, So please keep Stephanie and Kevin in your prayers and enjoy the episode. Okay, on with the show. I'm Kevin.
2: And I'm Stephanie. And
0: during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery.
2: Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future.
0: All right, Steph, I am very excited about this. I know you're excited about this one. Absolutely. So our next guest is my old college roommate, one of the groomsmen in our wedding, Mm -hmm. actually back in the day. And by the way, he's also a pancreatic surgeon at the Mayo Clinic in Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us Good Story, Doctor John Stauffer.
2: Good evening. Good evening.
1: Hey, Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having
0: me on. I'm excited myself. Our pleasure. Well, first off, do you have family and friends ask, do you ask them to call you doctor? I'm curious because I would if it were me, John. I don't. It makes me
1: uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I am John to my family and friends.
0: <laughs> okay, second question. I would like to know, and I want to get this on recording, John, who is the favorite person that you've ever lived with in your entire life? I want to, I want to ask that to you and on recording. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, since we're recording, I'm gonna have to be honest it's it's this I had this one roommate back in college <laughs> memorable it was uh yeah yeah my my best friend back in college it was this guy Kevin you know him? I've, I've heard of him <laughs> sleeping issues. You've heard of him.
2: yeah, definitely sleeping issues
1: <laughs> so yeah there was. There was some sleeping issues. It was an upgrade from my original roommate. Do
0: you remember my original oh, roommate? Oh, I do. Gabe, right? Is that his name? Yes. Yes. That's right. He was kind of a weirdo, wasn't he? He was a very interesting fellow. So John was like the perfect roommate for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. So one thing about living with John, his, he I found out he grew up as a dairy farmer. And so his family now is just like family to us.
2: They are. They're- they are. The most amazing people, such big hearts, so loving and kind, just good yes. people. I mean,
0: treat me like they adopted me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like we're part of their family is what it what it feels like. But um, so John, of course, I want John to tell the story of the first time he invited me to go to the farm because John would play pranks. He and his family would play pranks on people who had not been to a farm before. So John, can you tell Steph the story of the first time you invited me out to visit your family farm? We decided to have, have some
1: fun and walk, interact with the animals. Uh, <laughs> I took you and my little sister, about all 90 pounds of her, uh, out to the barn just to uh, get inside the pens with the cows and see the cows and maybe, maybe even touch a cow. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I wanted to see you were this big tough guy. <laughs> You know, hit slamming all these weights around all the time, all these protein supplements trying to get massive. So I wanted to see you take on um, a 110-pound cow to see what would happen because my theory has always been the city boys that have big city boy muscles can't handle the, the cows and the farm work, you know, like the Farm Strong. can. So I wanted to test this theory. So I had you jump in the pen and uh, – See if you can wrestle a cow. I think that's what I wanted you to do, right? Take down <laughs> yes. a little little heifer. Yes. So was was maybe. That, a
0: half. How much do you think there's weight, John? Honestly, uh, um, I would I would say five hundred pounds. 175.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe one hundred seventy
0: five, two hundred at most. Oh, they are not big. I just remember John getting me in this ring, and. He's like, all right, wrestle it. I'm like, what do you mean wrestle it? He's like, no, no, no. Like, tackle it, put it on the ground. And I'm like, you serious? So I go to try to, like, wrestle this – what did you say? Heifer? Is that what you called it? Yeah, a little heifer. It it, it
1: took me about 10 minutes to even make a move towards him because you (laughs) – they would look at you and, and kind of move, and you jump back.
2: <laughs> my I sister could see I this laughing. At the city I could boy. see this. I this think happened. for a
1: newer throw you off at first, you didn't want to even be there, right? <laughs> but so I'm in
0: this ring. And in this
2: ring, you mean the Calfe? It was
0: not a. You sound like it was a. Ring it, was a, it, was a, a it was a cage. It was a cage. It's a cage fight. I was, it was in a, a cage.
2: <laughs> and uh... <laughs> I
0: had, I had my hair had gear on, right? <laughs> So, I'm in this pen, Mm -hmm. and this heifer just starts, like, jumping around everywhere, all excited because I'm trying to tackle it, right? And I'm thinking, if this cow steps on my foot, it's going to break my foot. Like, because it gets excited, and it's literally jumping all over the place trying to get away from me. And so, after... It didn't take me long. I just gave up.
2: You tapped out.
0: I tapped out. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm like I'm not. I'm not doing this. This is not fun. So then John, we sent the little sister in. Yes, who was what 13 years old maybe at the time. Uh, yeah, she was about 14 or 15. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. So she took
1: one down in about 10 seconds.
0: Oh my gosh, Steph! It was amazing. It was amazing. She comes in there and completely like wrestles this calf to the to the ground. I mean, she could have roped the thing, right? But. <laughs> I'm standing there like, I can't believe I just saw this little, like you said, 90 pound girl runs in there and just tackles this baby calf. So, of course, John and his sister thinks this is the funniest thing, right? Playing a prank on me. And then he and his brother, of course, try to play a prank on me, uh, showing me how cows get milked. Do you remember that, John?
1: Yeah, that's a classic farm trick.
0: (laughs) So, tell Steph that.
1: Everyone who who comes to the farm for the first time gets that, that trick pulled on them.
0: And what is it? You, uh,
1: you you have you know your milk and the cow, and you strip the uh, udder just to make sure that the milk is okay before you put on the electric milkers. And we always tell the new but- the new people that there's a star at the end of the teat. You got to look real close to see it. So as as Kevin's peering <laughs> into that udder, give you it know, one good squeeze, and he gets a face full of milk, more milk all over the face. <laughs> He back, like a little girl,
0: <laughs> like, like he's been shot. This is no, this is not fun for me. Like you guys do this on a daily basis. You That's what you guys to do. Go back to school. Oh my gosh! After that, they thought it was the funniest thing. Like, hey, the city boy, come on in. Let me show you. Hey, look, there's a star here on the end. You and need then, to get
2: humbled. Oh quick. my
0: goodness! And then, like everybody in the barn is laughing at me and. Of course, they've done, like you said, they've done that before, uh-huh. right? And so that's their own practical jokes. They think it's hilarious, right? You're but, oh, you're initiated.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: Oh my goodness. You were I mean,
1: part of the family. After that, you were part of the family.
0: John, I was telling stuff, just a couple stories about you before you logged on here. The one I think goes back to maybe you being a farmer, and farmers are, I think, are notorious for being resourceful, right? Um, they will kind of make the best out of anything. And I just remember, I was telling John, I remember driving home with you to the farm and you pull your car off the side of the road at the university, on university property, get out of the truck, go pull flowers off the (laughs) university and come back in the truck. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, he's going to die anyway. I'm just going to, I'm going to bring him home for my girlfriend. Like... 're stealing you're stealing flowers from the university're like yeah they're gonna die like who cares my girlfriend will love these I'm like John that is stealing bro you can't just like go into a, like a mulch bed or woods or just like start pulling the flowers off the campus he's like just did not connect with him. He's a
2: broke student. He was trying to be a sweet boyfriend.
0: <laughs> right, it's what you
1: do out in the country. You drive by a field of wildflowers, you jump out and you grab them. You
2: totally do. See, he's being romantic
0: oh, and roadkill too.
2: See, that's your that's your finance <laughs> right. brain just working oh. already.
0: So, the other story from from college before we get to the medical stuff, John. T- can you tell story or Steph the story about the cooking? The cooking story that we had when we were, I think, juniors in college there at, at Ohio so. Northern. When, yeah. So do you know what I'm talking I, I about? Was, yeah, I know what
1: you're talking about. I, I was never really one to be left alone <laughs> <laughs> or, or be allowed to cook. I wanted to make spaghetti one night, I think, uh, and I had never made spaghetti. This was before Google, you know, <laughs> Right. And I knew that somehow you put ground beef, tomato paste, or tomato substance together on noodles. So. I, I got the noodles right. I <laughs> boiled those, but the uh, ground beef—I didn't know what you do. I just knew you had to get it warm and hot, and somehow it didn't turn into the the ground beef, you know, tomato sauce that I was hoping to get. And I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I I showed Kevin. I was like, Kevin, this, this doesn't look like Mom made it. I don't know what happened. What did I do? It's you know, so- and. <laughs>
0: And then he tasted it i remember he's like this doesn't this doesn't taste right and so you know, i was it, asking him like okay how did you do it and he starts going through the process i'm like john you didn't cook the meat so it was like the hamburger was raw yeah kind of raw that he had just kind of like stirred in mm. and uh yeah i just remember laughing hysterically because john kind of has the same gift that i do right and not great i shouldn't say the same gift as i do but John is one of the mm-hmm. m- smartest people I've ever met, I've ever known, right? Um, and he's like incredibly humble about it. But you at times will say, Kevin, I can't believe how smart you are in certain areas. But then other areas, you're, you're not so stupid. Smart, yeah. You are so stupid when it comes to
2: a certain things. when you f-
0: we first got married or yeah. being a rookie parent or whatever. It mm-hmm. just like blows you away how naive I was. And so John, I think, has that same gift at times. He's like so <laughs> incredibly smart. But then when it comes to like cooking... I mean, you can only be it's good nice at so many kit. things, right, John? Exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I've been,
1: I've been, uh, you know, declared the smartest dumb person ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, pretty good title.
1: So, yeah, other
0: college roommates gave me. So, on a more serious note, right? And there's no punchline here. I just want to be very honest. It is truly amazing to me. And, and Steph mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier. It is amazing to me, John, what you've been able to accomplish, right? Growing up, small town, about what, an hour north of Columbus, uh, out in the country, going to high northern, biochemistry major, going to high state med school. And I just remember when John was my roommate, now granted, he worked hard and studied, but there were so many kids that would come over to our apartment to ask him questions, mm-hmm. right? Because he just got it. He just understood it. And um, and then to go to high state med school and then end up at the Mayo Clinic, like that's pretty amazing, John, quite honestly. Um, and I forget, honestly, how kind of big of a deal you are uh, at times because I told Steph it hit me. Of course, we do, I do an annual road trip for high state Eight. football games. John King has, has been to a couple of them. And, and the one that we went to, two, maybe two years ago, it was in Iowa. And we all flew into Iowa, uh, met there, and it got to maybe ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. And John was like, guys, I'm really tired. I uh, I need to go to bed. We're like, oh, uh, you had to get up early for the flight? It's like, no, I I got called in like at 3 a.m. this morning. I had to do a blah, blah, blah surgery uh, before I got on the plane and, and flew here. And we're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you saved somebody's life this morning then got on a plane, flew here, and that's why you're tired? And you're like, yeah, kind of. I went to the official mayoclinic.org website, my friend, and I started to look up what you, what you actually do. <laughs> and I can't even pronounce some of these words, quite honestly. So, adrenal ectomy? Did I say that correctly? So, this is procedures performed by Dr. John Stoffer: bariatric surgery, mm-hmm. gastric bypass surgery, hernia repair, minimally invasive surgery, splenectomy, <laughs> and a Whipple procedure. Whipple. 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 Okay. So, I've heard of three of those, John, let alone <laughs> this is what you do on a daily basis. Like, that's incredible. And mm-hmm. then I go to your, your interest. The interest page on the Mayo Clinic website. John's interest, like my interest would be maybe a high state football, <laughs> um, <laughs> spending time with my family, working out, mm-hmm. John's interest, liver surgery, pancreatic surgery, bilary bilary, bi- biliary, biliary, biliary tract <laughs> surgery, hernia surgery, like these are some big interests by John.
2: He has a lot of interests.
0: Then yeah. he's a fellow of a hepatobiliary surgery at the Mayo Clinic. What is all this, John? I, I can't even, I don't even, one, I don't know what it is. Two, I can't even one pronounce it correctly.
1: Make it sound important.
0: <laughs> a lot of big words. So you are a pancreatic surgeon, is that right? Like that's the comprehensive title?
1: Yeah, well, it's actually hepatobiliary surgeon because it includes pancreas, liver, and bile ducts. Okay. And that's kind of my
0: specialty. That's I your guess. specialty. yeah. And so what's amazing to me as, as well, John, is uh, you literally have traveled all over the world, overseas, speaking at conferences, uh, speaking at seminars, doing surgeries overseas. And I know looking at your Instagram page, looking at your Facebook, you have some really cool pictures of some of the stuff that you've done, right? Whether it's, I think, Vietnam and Brazil. Do you have any good stories from your, your time over there, whether it's surgeries, whether it's the medical profession, do you have anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my, my work has definitely opened up some travel opportunities for me. I love seeing the world. Uh, I love seeing how they operate and wh- what they do in other countries. And I'm always amazed at what they're able to do with much less resources. Right. So, yeah, I've been able to travel to uh, a few places and actually operate, participate in operations, which is pretty exciting, pretty special. Not just uh, you know visit for conferences, but I think the two most memorable been uh, in Brazil and Vietnam, uh, like you were saying, I went to Brazil It was about four or five years ago uh, visited visited some of my colleagues down in Brasilia, which is the capital, okay uh, so there was uh, uh, there were very good hepatobiliary surgeons down there, and they had a patient who was kind of a friend of theirs or one of their nurses that needed a Whipple procedure like you had had read. So uh, this, this one surgeon had uh, their special way of doing the anastomosis to prevent leakage. So that was their goal to have me do this operation, have them show me how they do this special anastomosis. Okay.
2: And can you explain to people what a Whipple is?
1: A Whipple is kind of the granddaddy of all abdominal operations where you remove the head, Head of the pancreas. Mostly, uh, it's mostly done for cancer, and uh, it's a complex GI reconstruction of the bile duct of the pancreas and the stomach. It takes several hours to do, and it's uh, can be tricky because of the location of the pancreas, surrounding major vasculature of the abdomen, and um, some very difficult uh, technical reconstruction, or also anastomoses uh, for the bile duct and the pancreas. And it's just kind of a high risk procedure. For leaks and bleeds and complications afterwards.
0: Now, Steph, can you actually believe that I'm friends with this guy? I can't. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's you great is, <laughs> I understand everything he said. When we get off, Kevin's uh, going to be like, okay, now what okay. is an anastomosis?" Like, like, like you, you, what did he really just say to...
1: You
0: can't learn that off of
1: a YouTube video, <laughs> <no. right>? <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, you were in a lot of these Whipple procedures with uh, other surgeons at Ohio State, right?
2: Yep, I was.
1: Yep. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm getting this. I'm loving this. Yes. But yeah. uh,
0: So continue on with that procedure then and, mm-hmm. and what you saw in Brasilia. So, um, yeah,
1: this older surgeon had a, a younger colleague. So him and the younger colleague were going to show me how they do this operation. So I come into the OR and I expect to just stand in the back and watch. Um, but they said, no, no, come on in, you know that's fine. We'll put a gown on. Yes. Uh, okay. I'll, I guess I can get a little closer and take a look and see how they do it. Cause I'm interested in how they do it versus how I do it. Uh, but then they put gloves on and say, okay, we're ready for you. Oh no. <laughs> so, so apparently, apparently I'm doing this operation. For you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you had no idea. Uh,
1: no. Oh no. My gosh. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't expect, uh, you know, to be doing which is fine. I mean, they had kind of gotten it started and it was, all the same instrumentation and it's the same. Everyone's the same inside, whether you're in Brazil or United States,
0: but, uh, Oh, uh, that would stress me did out. Your,
2: did your heart rate go up just a little bit? Like, Oh, okay. 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 I could do this. Like just start like pumping yourself up.
1: No, I, not, not too exci- Not really, because I'm kind of so used to doing this, but I got excited to say, uh-huh. Oh, wow, I, this is great. I haven't operated in a couple of days and, Oh, you know, it's good to kind of get back, back into it. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, John's so like, off, yeah. John's like, I shouldn't have drank all that alcohol at the hotel bar earlier. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> Trying to shake off last night. But no. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, it's a very, it's a very controlled environment. Um, and they got in there, and we started operating together, and it was great because I had, um, I was operating with a surgeon who had been visiting with me for actually several months. And he was never able to operate due to restrictions of the United States um, but but together we were able to operate kind of for the first time uh, him and I together. so it was neat to do
0: how did how did they know that you'd even done that before, John like that that, that was your specialty or I mean
1: oh well yeah so these surgeons had actually been observers at Mayo Clinic for okay. several months in fact, one of them had been a whole year with this so we you know he had been watching me operate for quite some time and done many of these operations with him
0: observing from, from the uh, operating room. Okay. So then John, what was your experience like? Cause I know you were involved with some surgeries in Vietnam as well. You have any good stories from your, your time there in, in that country?
1: Yeah. Vietnam was, was similar. That was just uh, maybe two, two and a half years ago or so. So I, I was a little bit more prepared for this one. I thought that there's a chance that they may throw me right in the mix. Yes. <laughs> so. So I was kind of expecting it this time. And, and indeed, that's, that's what they, did. they, I think they wanted to see that the older part of or not, you know, scrub into the operating room. Um, but the, he would put me with his junior partners and give them a chance to see how an American did the whipple or a liver resection or okay. anything else. So, so it's pretty similar. Uh, I got in there and this time I was ready when they said, I, I said, I'd be happy to stand back and, you know, watch how you guys did it. You know, I can learn from you. Cause there are also very good surgeons there too, but they said, no, 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 we want, we want you in there doing it. So the first case was uh, a whipple uh, on a patient who's had some, some prior radiation and some changes and some surgery. So it was, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. And that actually, that one, I was a little bit more nervous than the other one that I had already saw it. It was a very straightforward operation, but this one, it could have been anything when you open the amp and find a pretty bad situation. But, uh. Fortunately, we got in there and it went, went great. We did the Whipple together with their junior surgeons. And I, I think in the, in the middle of it, I, you know, I was asking for some suture and, and then I realized that I think I only have about 12 instruments on that back table and there was no suture. <laughs> so, oh no. Yeah. So uh, I kind of looked and they had a, they had a, a box, of uh, just a, a loose suture in the back. I'm like, what do you need? <laughs> so, so I saw him kind of pawing through the box, looking for some some proline or some silk. And, you know, I just take for granted that at Mayo, I have anything I want at a moment's notice. And, you know, I, I would get upset if I didn't have my specific instruments or specific right. suture. With, this See, is going to be a lot different situation.
0: This is what where the farming comes into play. He's resourceful <laughs> and he's like, okay, I got a MacGyver this. Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm going to work with what I have. Like, That's impressive, John. Yep. And that's exactly what it was. It was just uh, going on the fly and using whatever
1: instruments they had, using whatever suture they had. And it was definitely not the usual way that I did these operations, but it, it works. It works. And that's how they do it too. So like uh-huh. I said, they're impressive surgeons for doing little with a lot or doing a lot with a little, I should right. say.
2: So you made a comment earlier, and it kind of reminded me of Grey's Anatomy, where these kids, or I shouldn't say kids, but residents, they couldn't wait to cut. They couldn't wait to be in a surgery. Is that how you are, or is that how the mentality of a surgeon is? Like, you just can't wait to be in the OR and work.
1: So yes, definitely. As a resident, it is very exciting to be in these operations, especially the bigger the operation, more risky, more dangerous. Oh. You want to be in there and see everything you can during your training. So, you know, I, I would say for your first five, six years of, of training, that's definitely the case. And and I would say for my, your first years of practice, that's also the case too. You love being in the OR because that's what you do best. So it's it, I'd say it's it's pretty similar. It's pretty true.
2: What's the longest surgery you've been a part of?
1: Well, when I, when I first started, I was doing almost everything minimally invasively, and um, would be able to tolerate you know really long anesthesia times, trying to do it you know with just through small incisions. Uh, so we did some like twelve or thirteen hour cases, I think, when oh, I first started. Oh, My gosh, took forever.
2: Okay, so now I know kind of know the answer, but I, I'm sure our listeners don't know. Do you stay scrubbed in that whole time? Do you take breaks? I've heard where some doctors or some residents, they don't want to leave because they don't want to miss anything. So they'll actually like wear diapers so they don't have to leave. Who
0: does that? Oh, I swear
2: to you. Who? I, doctors and Surgeons. residents. Have to, I swear to you. John, Go. back me up.
0: Now what TV Back show? me up. Hey, what TV show is this off of? Mm-hmm.
2: He's never I've never wore. Worn one. a
0: diaper and I don't know of
1: anyone who's actually admitted that they wore a diaper. Now that maybe they did and they didn't See? admit it.
0: So John, knowing your personality, it, it seems to me that you would have the, the perfect personality to be a surgeon, right? You're like even killed. Mm-hmm. Things don't
2: shake you, shake
0: you at mm-hmm. all. You're not anxious. You're not jittery. Like you're very even killed. But I can only imagine, especially like when you were starting in your mid thirties and you're, you're going to Vietnam and you're going to Brasilia. did you have any situations where you did feel intimidated because of your age and the people that are looking over your shoulders as you're doing these surgeries? Did you have, have you had anything like that that has, has made you kind of anxious at times? Like, Oh boy, this is, I'm in the, I'm might be in over my head here.
1: I don't know if I've ever felt anxious because of my age, but I have just these, these operations, you know, are are very big, and they can have serious consequences. So yeah, I've had some anxiety, and there's still parts of an operation where it creates, you know, a fast heart rate and some anxiety, just, you know, performing certain steps of each operation, or, you know, that in the past, even, you know, years ago, you had a major bleed during this part of the case. So yeah, you still get nervous a little bit, I think appropriately so during some cases. But uh, like you said, it, it's very important to just stay calm, stay even keeled. I had a situation actually in Vietnam where after the Whipple, we did the next day, we did a uh, big liver resection and we were you know talking and just, it was a very straightforward operation going well. And I asked, we had, I think one more move before the operation was finished basically. And we had to staple off the last big vein, connecting the piece of liver that we were taking out to to his inferior vena cava, which is a large vein going right into his heart. So I asked for uh, asked for a stapler just to finish it off to get one last. <laughs> I got the stapler and I looked at it, and I hadn't seen this type of stapler for about 10 or maybe 15 years. Oh my. So it was a it was a very old stapler. I'm sure it had been used many times. It can be re sterilized, but it was it was definitely not the latest model.
0: <laughs> so
1: so as we, uh, I said, well, you know, I, I know these things work, and I know that they have worked. So I um, put it on the vein, fired the stapler, and then took it off, and then realized the staples did not did not hold. <laughs> they did not hold. So I put my finger on the hole. Um, oh my god! And I don't think really, I don't really think people knew. Uh, and I put my finger on the hole pretty quickly. So and I said, you know, I thought to myself. Um, does this hospital have a blood bank? <laughs> we have a blood bank available. Maybe should have asked this Before.
0: question a few minutes ago. <laughs> that would have been nice to know 30 seconds yeah. earlier. what kind of
1: backup do we have here? What, what, what's your blood type? <laughs> and uh, not didn't, didn't ask that question, but I just thought that to myself. And so then I just, you know, you're holding it there. I just kind of, you know, made sure everyone kind of realized in, in broken English that it can be an issue here that I'm holding. Uh, and can I please have a proline, <laughs> which is the type of suture used to control major bleeding. So they got me the proline. We sewed it up pretty quickly. It was fine. It was no problem. Didn't lose oh, much blood. Man. But uh,
2: but again, John, that goes back to your personality. Like, yeah, I, stabler didn't work. Just put my finger there. Yeah. You know, this person could literally bleed out in seconds. And you're just like, okay, how am I going to figure this out? Or how am I going to fix this? But you're just so cool about it and just so calm. Like, literally, if anything's going on with my pancreas, know that I'm calling you. Seriously.
0: <laughs> well, I, I hope to not have that. Uh, Amen to that. The, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you, John, and I, I remember having this conversation with you earlier when you first became a surgeon. Uh, this is a good problem to have, right? But you look young, right? And especially for a Dude. surgeon, and even like when we were in college, you looked, you look like you're 16 years old, right? When, when we were graduating college. So as a surgeon, can you tell staff the stories of like, just the reaction you get when people see you uh, and they think they're younger than what you are. Right. But I mean, not granted, you are young. You're like 40. Um, But the reaction you get from, uh, from people at the hospital when they find out you're their, their surgeon. I do. I get almost
1: every patient says something about about how young, Continue. Yes. Even to this day, um, it's getting slightly less and less. But uh, I have thought about doing many things such as like wearing glasses, <laughs> dyeing my hair gray, <laughs> many things because I don't really let it bother me. It's just it's, it's just every single patient has said something. So usually the more emphasis they put on how young I look, the, the bigger words that I try to use. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> So yeah. I try to just use really big words and just make sure that uh, they know that they're in good hands. Yep. I know what I'm doing. Have, have done this before probably many, many times. And honestly, it usually is no problem at all. And we go right through it. And it's just something to laugh at for a few right. seconds. And go on right into the business at hand. All right. But there yeah. is one time when uh, I was in residency and I was, with a, I was doing a transplant surgery with one of my attending physicians. He also looked very young, too. So we went up to the room, uh, got into the room. It was, you know, midnight because these things happen in the middle of the night. We're just sitting there waiting uh, because there was uh, a nurse or maybe a tech that was kind of finishing up some things. And, you know, we, we started to talk and the patient was like, you know, hold on. And I'm like, okay, we'll wait, you know, let's finish up what you need to do. And uh, it took a little while. And, and then we introduced ourselves, On uh, you know, we're your, we're your team. And she's like, you're you're our, you're my surgeon i thought you were my my transport boys <laughs> so she was waiting for us to put her on the gurney to take her down I'm like no man we're your team we're, we'll be putting the new liver in your body here in a few few hours oh. Oh.
0: that is but that is a good problem to have mm. a very good problem to have so well john i love the fact you're able to join us tonight on Tell us a good story. I won't take up, we won't take up more of your time, but mm-hmm. that was awesome. Thank you so much, my friend.
2: Thank you, John. It.
0: Great you guys. You, you t- too.
2: Right. Bye.
0: Okay. Bye. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or or one of the other platforms.
2: It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff.
0: If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence.
2: Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends.